We acknowledge and are mindful that CSU Chico stands on lands that were originally occupied by the first people of this area, the Machupta, and we recognize their distinctive spiritual relationship with this land and the waters that run through campus. We are humbled that our campus resides upon sacred lands that once sustained the Machupta people for centuries. Welcome to the Rise, Teach, Learn podcast. I am Dr. Chiara Ferrari, Director of Faculty Development at Chico State, and we are happy to make this resource available to our campus community and beyond. The podcast is hosted by Dr. Jamie Lynn Gunderson, and she will engage in timely conversations with faculty, staff, and students, and give you a taste of the Chico experience. Subscribe to our podcast and explore the many resources available on our website. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Rise, Teach, Learn. I'm your host, Jamie Gunderson. In this episode, we explore the current status of our faculty contract negotiations. Okay, so I am here with Tim Sistrunk, a lecturer in the Department of History and the president of the Chico chapter of the California Faculty Association, or the CFA. And I'm also here with Dr. Al Shadman, a professor in the School of Education and the vice president and chair of faculty rights for the Chico chapter of the CFA. So Al and Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our listeners today about our contract negotiations. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Jamie. Yeah, so let's start. I am a fairly new faculty. This is my fourth year on campus, and I'm getting all of the emails about negotiations and impasse, and I'm trying to keep abreast of the information, but I have to tell you I'm a little overwhelmed. And so can you give us kind of a nitty gritty breakdown on what is happening currently with our negotiations? Just to remind people, we the CSU, unlike other California state employees, we have to negotiate our contract every year. We we have to negotiate our pay raises for every year, and then we have to negotiate a contract that will last for for three years at a time, and sometimes it's optional for renewal. So that's why there's always a salary dimension to salary negotiations. But the major parts of the contract that we are negotiating now, right now with management and finding it difficult to uh, get the changes we would like to make to uh, make the system a modern 21st century university to serve the people of California, which we're all dedicated to the educational mission. So we're, we're interested in rights and respect and justice. And so under different issues that are part of rights that that are govern our contract like all all faculty have to uh, take student evaluations of teaching uh we everybody knows that those are always in, impacted by bias by unconscious biases of people maybe not even intentional so women tend to score a lot lower than than white males uh, faculty of color also score lower so we were, were we've addressed that in our contract we want to redefine how the student part of the you know conversation about feedback on what's happening in the classroom we added language to our contract to change that we would like to also under rights we want to create mediation possibilities for faculty if they're in disputes with each other or with students or with anyone in the university 
if you, to have our ombuds office work robustly for everybody and fairly and rapidly. And we're also, you know, given the times that we live in, we're academic freedom. We want to create a specific articles in our contract to make that robust. So right, also respect. So respect for all these workers. So lecturers, we in the CSU lectures outnumber regular faculty by far. We teach the largest classes, all the all these really important general education areas. And so uh, in the contract, we've explored a, a route for permanence, tenure track for lecturers. We're going to start them out with a five-year contract and then and then create a pathway for them to move into, into tenure. So to create security for lecturers. We're also interested in you know, letting the librarians manage their own time. And then just, uh, there are other things under respect, but then justice, uh, we're gonna have things like course caps, you know, the, the course sizes just continue to grow. We wanna think about cultural taxation of faculty of color in particular, being you know students of color, which who are a growing number of our our student population in the CSU, attracted to to, to faculty and and need their kind of uh, their lived experience, the kind of support that people who come from their from their own backgrounds can give, and those that's extra work, and so we we want to make sure that that work is recognized as valuable for the university, paid for and supported. We, we're also interested in, you know, under justice, having faculty who have children, instead of, you know, 30 days leave after you have a child, give them a semester, you know, to, to bond with their children and all of that, to enter into the modern world. So that's just an aspect of justice. There, there are all kinds of other pieces of the contract. It's pretty complicated. You can look at the CFA website, which is linked to, to our conversation and find the contract and the exact negotiation, the different pieces of the contract and what management said and what we've said. That is a lot of information. It is much more than just a salary negotiation, I'm understanding. So um, I wanna throw it to Al. Al, can you tell us where are we in the bargaining and negotiation process? Well, we had, it's interesting you've asked that question, Jamie, because we just had a meeting with one of the uh, folks that's on the, our bargaining team, and he let us know that um, we just went to what's called fact-finding. So we moved from impasse and mediation into um, fact-finding. So basically, so you can't just go out on strike. You can't have a wildcat strike. That's illegal because we have to um, abide by the Higher Education Employees Relation Act, or HERA. And what HERA that lays down the, the, the process. And the first thing you have to do is start with public notice. You gotta let everybody know that you're going into bargaining so everybody can get prepared. Then you go into bargaining where the teams sit down and they start to talk. And if they can reach agreement at there, they reach the agreement and then they can just call it quits, okay? But if they don't reach an agreement, then they go to something called impasse. And if and during impasse, they meet with mediators, a mediator, and the, it's a, the state mediation and conciliation service assigns a mediator to us, and the mediator um, helps the uh, two sides talk about the issue. And then, uh, if mediation is not successful, 
then what mediation leads to then is fact finding. And fact finding is almost like a, it's like a hearing. And you get to plead your case to a panel of three people. And then the uh, panel can then basically with a two to one vote say that this side is making a reasonable claim here and you, you should, you should uh, settle based on that side's view. So they could, they could say the CFA is, is, is reasonable or they could say the CSU is reasonable. They could decide with, with neither. Now, the thing is, is that, that CSU, even if the fact finders agree with us, they don't have to. It's not a binding arbitration. They don't have to go with that. And so then after fact finding, what happens is there's a report issued, but there's a 10-day blackout and um, nobody can share the report publicly. And that gives the two sides time to look at the report and then also meet and come to a settlement. And if that happens, again, process done. But if that doesn't happen, then once the CFA has exhausted all of those options, then they can go to strike. And then during the strike is when we would um, withhold our labor from the CSU and the CSUs would shut down. And then that sort of is a strong hand to play to force the CSU back to the table and to come to an agreement. So from a junior faculty perspective, when we say things like impasse and strike, that creates a little anxiety um, for me as a faculty member. And I'm just wondering, is that where our negotiation is currently going or are we having some positive outcomes from these meetings with our collective bargaining unit? Well, uh, you know, just, as, just to use salary, which is a, always a clear illustration. So we uh, sensibly, you know, without kind of overreaching, we, we thought we would ask for a 4% raise for three years for each, each year of our contract. And the, what the chancellor's office, the CSU said was, we'll offer you 2% raise for one year. Well, what that ends up doing is cost of living keeps increasing. So basically we're losing money to be, to work for the CSU. You know, your salary, the value of your salary will keep going down. So that's an illustration of, of a kind of an impasse or like, oh, we do not have money to meet, meet your uh, question. And of course, then a couple weeks ago, the, it was announced that the board of trustees is, is going to offer 10% raises to all the presidents across the CSU. So 10% on a pretty hefty salary, you know, so uh, there, there, there are sticking point salary, that's just one piece. All the things I mentioned about rights, respect, and justice, which we thought were reasonable approaches to accommodate our changing student demographics, those, the, none of those have been agreed to, none of them. Is that because we haven't reached a full agreement or is that just, are we talking about these things individually? Or are we negotiating the contract as a collective whole? It's, it's both. Um, so it's definitely a whole, but they, but once, once you come to an agreement on a topic, then that goes off the table. You see what I mean? So that so they, they, they've had some, uh, like there's one where management has agreed 
to accept moving the new faculty orientation MOU into the contract. And so that was one of the, one of the things that we, we put on the table and management agreed to. Another thing management has agreed to is that concept that librarian work can be reform, uh, performed remotely. Now they're still working on some of the details on that, but so there has been some movement on the smaller things. So basically you got the salary thing and then you got the, this, the, the collective bargaining agreement. And so what I'm talking about now would be changes to the collective bargaining agreement. And so once you make changes there, then that's sort of like, that's, those, that's, how, that's what governs how the management and faculty work with each other for the next three years, because we signed three-year contracts. And so, and then that will affect changes then in the FPPP, you know, the policies at the, at, the, at the university level. So some of those, so we've seen some progress, but yeah, still a big divide on, I think the major issues, especially salary. So just for some context, um, you mentioned some potential changes to the FPPP. How does that correlate to faculty workload? Um, it'll be like, okay, so faculty workload right now would be specific to um, librarian workload. That's one of the things that's on the table. Um, counselor workload is on the table. So hiring enough counsels, counselors to make sure there's a thousand, there's one counselor for every thousand to 1500 students. CSU Chico currently has one counselor per 1500 students, which is within the guidelines. However, there used a recent accreditation report of the counseling center said that because of the high demand and because of the severity of so many of the cases that um, they should be more looking for more like a one to 1000. So we would like to have that ratio at CSU Chico. Um, course caps are another thing. It's always on the table. And that always, you know, and you, Jamie, you know how course caps, if you have 35 students in a, you know, or 50 students, you know, or 25 students, that is a big difference in faculty workload. Um, yeah, our argument is that, that, uh, class size should be based on each individual department's understanding of pedagogical, you know, teaching needs. It shouldn't shouldn't just be customary and and added to by a dean or something. Yeah. See, just going back to the salary um, concept. When was the last time that faculty received a salary increase? So. Five years ago, well, it was uh, 2015. We were less than a week. It was about half a week. Something. It was almost a week. Something like we were ready to go out on strike, and we we struck for five percent raise. But other kinds of uh, uh, amelioration of problems with uh, salary step increases, which hadn't been given to us for they've been seven years. There are other kinds of aspects of the of the salary service salary increases, post promotion increases. Uh, uh, there's also equity raises for for if, if you're you've been underpaid or you were you were offered less than you're really worth, maybe because you're female or because you're a faculty of color. That's that's a demonstrated uh, equity problem. We, we also try to, so we, we, we negotiated to set up, uh, to get a 5% raise, but then also to change 
some of the dimensions of that. So we ended up cumulatively over time getting more than just 5%. Some faculty got uh, you know, as high as 18%, 22%. So it was, we kind of changed the trajectory of how education was thought of and has had national impact. That's amazing. Um, can I ask, what, given where we are with this current negotiation process and this current collective bargaining agreement, do you anticipate just in how, um, just with your background and knowledge of previous negotiations and your contribution to this negotiation, do you anticipate that we'll find resolution or do you think it's going to be a case where faculty will go to strike or is it too early to tell? Well, it's like futurism, right? But um, I, you know, I got the feeling from meeting with the chancellor when he was here that they are definitely, you know, willing to sit at the table and reach a reasonable agreement. I, I did get the feeling that they're still crunching a number of numbers and trying to do projections. And then, uh, and so I think there's a bit, I mean, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, this is my hunch is that they are stalling right now until you know they they really have their ducks in a row about um their projections the current budget what's coming in from the state what's coming in from the feds it's complicated and um the i mean the the facts are there the money is there okay the money is there from the state and the money is there from the feds and so that's going to come out in fact finding. And that is usually a really compelling argument for the arbitrators, right? You know, because if it's like the money's there and they're asking for 12%, when the inflation is at 5.5%, seems reasonable to me. And they haven't had a raise in a little while. So, hey, okay, let's give them another bump. Well, and, you know, we tried to. We tried to reconceptualize the place of the union. It isn't just about salary because people work in the CSU because they love to teach. They, they're committed to the students, you know, and so anti-racism, social justice, that animates all of us. We, you know, we want to work for our whole community. And so all those pieces where I was talking about, you know, like cultural taxation or, or any, all kinds of issues of, of uh, integrity or stability, respect that that impacts that impacts faculty across the system, but it also impacts students because our our working conditions, our student learning conditions. We uh, you know we say that, but it's absolutely true. I don't know if we would know this number, but just ballpark. What are we looking at system wide as a number? to compensate our faculty. How much is this costing the university, the CSU? So um, the so the CFA has lobbyists, right? And we lobby the legislature for money in the California budget to be allocated to the CSUs. And the governor has been uh, pretty generous. And so he uh, allocated a large sum of money to the CSU system. And that's what I think, that's why I think there's a, 
there's a there, there's a pot of, I don't know about a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I think. And it's because the funding is there. Historical, and, uh, historically high. Historically high funding for the CSU. I think what fact finding is going to show is that the money's there. 550 million given to the CSU this, this year, which is unheard of. So projecting this forward, if we were to reach in fact finding, if we were to come to an agreement, uh, it's my understanding that, that it stops and we now have a contract, correct? And that contract will be good for hopefully uh, around three years. What happens if in fact finding we don't reach an agreement? Well, the fact finding report will be issued and will go into the blackout phase for 10 days and hopefully that you know that time gives the, the gives the two sides uh, time to really look into the report and sit down at the table and uh, bargain at everybody's best interest. And then um, you know if that at the end of those ten days, then the 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 report from the fact finding report can be um, made public, and then um, the CFA can then call for a strike. And so if we call for a strike, we will withhold our labor. And then you will see us on campus and you will see us marching around and you will see us with signs and we will and with megaphones. And as that's, this is when it becomes really important for faculty to be on campus and making their voices heard. And on that note, how can faculty, number one, stay abreast of the negotiations and also be additive to that collective voice? Other ways that faculty can um, stay involved and get the information they need is that uh, Tim sends out emails to all faculty um, with bargaining updates. And you can also go to the CFA website and there's a whole website on bargaining that provides updates. And so one last question, do you have to be a CFA member to reap the benefits of these negotiations? Nope, we have a duty to, a duty to represent. So we represent everybody. Our strength at the bargaining table is based on the number of members we have. And so we have a pretty, at Chico, we have pretty high percentage of membership among our faculty, but the more we have, the better. So if you're, if you're wondering what to do, this one of the most the powerful things you can do, join the union, join the union. And we're, we're pretty inexpensive union for our region and, and nationally. And other ways for folks to get involved is to um, become the uh, department rep and then come to our uh, breakfast meeting once a month and you get all, all up to date and then you basically can go back to your department and you know you get on the department agenda and you provide the department with updates and then folks if they have issues they come to you and then you send them to the right place like if they have the faculty rights issue they would come to the department rep and the department rep sends them to the faculty rights chair for campus um, that's a great way to get involved and then you know you know coming up you know we'll, we're going to have actions as we get closer and closer it, well if let's say if if we get closer and closer to striking there will be actions on campus all right so al and tim this is very eye-opening for me as a junior faculty member i learned a lot from our conversation and i'm hoping our listeners took a lot from this conversation as well so if you haven't already folks i encourage you to join the union we are going to link the cfa website on our fdeb podcast website for you to peruse along with some documents that kind of explain where we are in the negotiations process
But I want to just take a moment to thank you, Tim and Al, for the work that you do um, on behalf of the faculty at CSU Chico. And so thank you very much um, for all of that hard work. Thank you, Jamie. I'll leave you with these final words. In solidarity, when we fight, we win. <laughs>